Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Separate us from the love of God. Nothing, you know, literally there is nothing. Because as we'll discover, while we were still far off, he died for us. Amen? And so we're going to go through the scriptures, uh, and, and our focus this uh, morning is from Romans chapter 5, verse 5 to 10. And here at Worship Harvest, we read the word together, so I'm going to encourage us to read. We'll go piece by piece. So let's start. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. So it starts, interestingly, uh, it says, now hope does not disappoint. So if you read uh, Romans chapter 5, it starts by saying how we have been given faith and the faith that allows us access to our Heavenly Father. But then it also says that even in tribulations, okay, even when things are not going right, you know, tribulations give rise to perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. That's where the previous verse, verse 4, ends. And then it says, now hope does not disappoint. And, and, then, and why does it not disappoint? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That is why hope does not disappoint. So those words might sound trivial until you understand what exactly hope is. I was reminded this morning by my wife, who is wise, by the way. She, she sends her greetings because she's seated right there. <laughs> Uh, she sends them from among you. <laughs> you know that those people who send greetings from far? Uh, for her, she sends from within. <laughs> yeah, that hope is a definite positive expectation of good. Let that sink in. Because sometimes we think that hope is, uh, is what? Is uh, good thoughts about the future. It goes beyond the thoughts. Hope is a positive expectation of good. So when they say God, uh, that, that uh, perseverance uh, produces character and then character hope, and hope does not disappoint because God has poured, out his, uh, he has poured out in our hearts the Holy Spirit. That means God has given us a positive, definite positive expectation of good from him. Now, it's hard to think about that because when we say God our Father, we immediately, either consciously or subconsciously, look at what we can relate to. And usually we fall on to our physical earthly fathers. So if your earthly father has not demonstrated this, I guarantee you, unless the Holy Spirit is deposited in your heart, you will never fully understand that love. Our relationship with our, relationship with our fathers is ideally supposed to mirror the relationship with God. And so as we go through the word this morning, something that I'm expectant this morning is that relationships that have been hurt by fathers are going to be mended. Because God wants you to experience of his fullness. And he doesn't want anything, including mistakes by our fathers, 
either by their presence or their absence. He doesn't want that to be hinder your understanding of his love for you. So when he says he's your father, it is relatable. Now we are going to touch some nerves. I'm just setting the stage. Okay, we're going to touch some nerves, but healing, expect healing by the end of this sermon. Amen? Yes, so a positive expectation of our Father. A positive expectation of our Father. So, a couple of years ago, many, that's why I was celebrating that we are young, we were expecting our first child. And uh, it was still two months away, and so all was good. And uh, we went for an Andrew Womack conference at the Serena. It was powerful. And so at the end of the conference, my lovely wife was feeling uncomfortable. I was like, mm, I'm not feeling too good. I'm, there's some pain, and we're like, let's just make sure, given that Emma was around, those of you who know Emma, Dr. Emma, he was around, we're like, let's just ask Emma and see what's up. And he looked at her, examined, and was like, you know what, just pass by Mulago, just in case, just to make sure things are okay. And so we get into the car, we dash to Mulago, and by the time we get into Mulago, the pain is getting serious. And so we go in, so me, I'm outside there trying to figure out what's happening. And then the nurse comes and tells me, uh-huh, where are the things? I'm like, which things? <laughs> the baby is coming. I'm like, <laughs> I laughed. I was like, you're joking. We still have two months. We still have two months. It is not time. Okay? It is not time. But she was serious, by the way. She was like, eh? the baby is coming. Get your stuff ready. And so through that, um, a very interesting night as a father. I think that was in the top three of my life-changing moments. Being there next to my wife as, as our baby girl was being born, premature, could fit on my palm. A papo, because she was papo. Yeah. For you, you didn't see. Me, I was there seeing. <laughs> and... <laughs> so I'll post that story there and I go a, a few years before that I'm at a prayer meeting and then a very radical guy, he's a prophet he comes and tells me the first time I met him and, and, and he's like you're married right? we are, we are just gotten married he's like yes um, your firstborn is going to be a girl and then he continues to utter some prophecies there. The first time, as in, he doesn't even say hi. I mean, prophets. He doesn't say hi. He doesn't say what. He just comes. He says, You're going to, your firstborn is going to be a girl. She's going to be blah, blah, blah. And, and yeah, so and then he continues. Then he, later on, he said hi. And we became friends. <laughs> so that word had been spoken to us. So in our heart of hearts, we had, God had even been reaffirming that word in our hearts. And so now this time, when we are looking at this pink... Papo, uh -huh. the story had changed. Uh, the <laughs> and I'm thinking, God, what's happening? Huh? What is happening? And so, uh, you know, she was born premature, so she had to be taken from there and put into an incubator. And it was an interesting couple of weeks. And, but miraculously, God went through the, uh, took us through that. And so, a few months later, because, because she was born premature, you had to keep her they call it kangaroo. You put, it, you put her on your chest so that she can get some warmth. Eh? 
And so one night, it, we were taking turns. So Rachel was sleeping, and it was my turn to do kangaroo at night. And we used to feed her through a tube because she couldn't yet feed through her mouth. So we'd feed her through the tube and then put her kangaroo. So it was my turn, and so she would be sleeping, and then I noticed something. She's not breathing. I'm like, chick, boss. <laughs> it is me here. <laughs> People are going to ask what I've done. She's not... <laughs> It's funny now. <laughs> it's funny now. Uh, boss, in a split second, the things that go through your mind. So she stops breathing. And I'm like, okay, this is not serious. As in, this is serious. So I try to shake her. I'm like, Amanda, wake up. Wake up. But she's not breathing. So I wake Rachel up. And I'm like, Madame has refused to breathe. So we are all now in panic. And we were staying at my parents at that time. So we wake up the whole house. It was like at about, what time? 3 a.m. there. The whole house is wake, has woken up. We are like, let's rush her to the hospital. So we jump into a car. We are flying through traffic like a problem. All this time, she's not breathing. We get to the hospital, and they're like, eh. So they put her on oxygen and, and what? And in that time, we are, Rachel and I were like, well, you know, but God, you promised. You promised. Anyway, the story has a good ending because she was dancing, dancing around here. So don't look at me. <laughs> don't look at me as like, what's going to happen? But that's our testimony. But I, the reason I tell that story is that we remembered the words that were spoken over our girl. And we had hope. We had a positive expectation of our loving father because he knew. Because he knew. Guess what? As in God loves that child even more than us. Okay? And so that, that then brings to remembrance. What has God promised you? Do you believe him? Is he good to you to the fact that you believe him? So when he says that now hope does not disappoint why doesn't it disappoint? Because he, God, has given you that guarantee. He has assured you of his love. That is why hope does not disappoint. So every child of God carries the love of God on the inside of them. Each and every one of us. No matter how far you feel you are, that deposit is in you. Because he has given us his Holy Spirit. And so for us to experience this love, we need to have a revelation which comes by the Holy Spirit. And that's the beauty about salvation. Salvation is just not a decision that you make. That, hey, today I've decided to follow Jesus and let's let, the good, let the good times roll. The minute you make that decision, you receive in your heart the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit starts to unfold. He starts to reveal this endless love that God has given us. Let's continue in Romans chapter 5, verse 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And so the, as we continue in that scripture, you'll discover now he's making his case. So why, why should we trust God anyway? And while we were still sinners, while we were the farthest, you know, it's, it's, you, we might think that 
like now for my, my salvation story starts you know way back but I used to attend church every Sunday by the way I used to sing the hymns I used to go to Sunday school <laughs> hey, hymns I used to go to Sunday school but every time they would call up those who are who want to be born again I would always have this justification in my mind it's like but God, I'm here, we sing, we clap, I go to Sunday school. Me, I'm saved in my own way or in my heart. Those are, the, those are the excuses I would give God. But even me thinking that I was that good or I was, you know, aligned somehow, that was still not enough. I was just the same as someone who was on the other side, wayward, doing all these things. You know, like the prodigal son that we learned about last Sunday, squandering inheritance. I was just as good as that. But then God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died. While we were still afar off, while we were enemies. And for you to understand that we were enemies, just read the Old Testament. Hmm? From the beginning, from when Adam was kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Okay? From that time, we were enemies. There was a barrier between us and God. There was a set of expectations that were required of us as believers or as people of God. And by falling short of that, you were enemies of God. Then when he brings the law, he asks, uh-huh, then the people, are you going to keep this? And all that you have said, we will do. So we commit ourselves to a set of rules that we cannot keep. By blood, by the way, because Moses sprinkled blood on the tablets. And so a blood oath was made to keep the law. And guess what? The very next minute, we were breaking it. And so it's about constant breaking of the law. We were enemies. But even at that state of being enemies, when we spit on him, on Christ, when he was going to the cross, when they were yelling, crucify him. When he was being beaten to a pulp. When every single fathomable disease came upon his body. He still says, Father, forgive them. We participated in that. Because he died for our sins, past, present, and future. So even the ones that you're thinking about committing, or the ones that you committed, all those, Christ died for them. So we put him there. But even while we were shouting, crucify him, he died for us. That we might be reconciled to our heavenly father who loves us passionately. The thing that sobers me quite a lot is, think about this. The creator of heaven and earth died. It's, for me, it is, it's, it's a miracle in itself that God himself would choose not only to live as a human being, but to die as one. And not just as an ordinary human being, to die as the worst of the worst. Because crucifixion in that time was reserved for the bad guys. The really bad guys. It was supposed to humiliate and to kill. That was the purpose of crucifixion. So he not only chose to die a death of a human being, he chose to die the worst of the human being deaths. That he might reconcile us. 
So if he's willing to go through all that, how much more is he concerned about you today? How far do you think you can go to hide away from God? How far do you think you've fallen away? What bad thing do you think you have done that God is, cannot look at you if he was willing to die a death like that? My encouragement this morning is to reconcile us back to our loving father. He has demonstrated his love to death. You chill these love letters that you used to write or be written to when you were in high school. I wrote my fair share. I will cross the seven seas. Simanye. Did I write that stuff? <laughs> eh? I will move the moon, you know. You know, some of these things, you people. You are recipients. Uh, did they say these things? And you believed that they would move the moon, swim the seas, swim the Lake Victoria, what? I mean, we, we might love all that, sounds cool, but there is someone who loved us to death. There is someone who loved us to death. And that someone is Jesus. He went to the cross to reconcile us to a father that is prodigal in his love, to a father that is helplessly willing to reconcile himself back to us. Amen? So for scarcely a righteous man, one would die. Yet perhaps a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died us. Okay? I'm sure you've watched a, a number of videos of heroic acts. The latest one I saw was someone, uh, I think it was a pun, but anyway, so someone does acrobatics crossing the road with traffic to save a dog. Have you seen that WhatsApp video? So there's a video going around about someone, you know, highway with many cars and then he's dodging cars. Because the dog is stuck on the other side, he's trying to cross. So he goes, carries the dog, and then comes this other side. And I'm like, eh. So for a Bambi, a puppy, you, you're willing to, to, to risk. Eh? It's, it's understandable. For, for a child, you're willing to stand in front of traffic to save a child. But for a sinner? Like, <laughs> I was explaining to some people about the difference, the, the, the levels of sin. Eh? From last year, like last week's sermon. So you had sinners, then you had tax collectors, <laughs> you know? So now for a tax collector, that you will die, that is how, that's how audacious it was to the, to the ears of the Jew, that he would die for a tax collector, that God would die for an enemy. I know enemies are few and far between, but think of an enemy right now that you have. I, I, it's hard to, to have an enemy. It's hard, but I mean, some of us do. But imagine now you put down your life for someone who is committed to killing you. Committed. Are we painting that picture? Or is it still hard to paint? Hmm? It's hard. Eh? You don't have enemies. You're, you're perfect. You're all, all, all people around you love you. Hallelujah. Bless God. But think about this. This is someone who has been alienated. We have alienated ourselves from God through our sin. We have all his efforts at reconciliation. We either scoff at or we ignore. So really, you know, Jesus, you're on your own things. 
he sets it comes two steps to try and bring us back to himself, but we ignore. But while we were still enemies, God demonstrates his own love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died. He didn't wait for you to say, okay, fine, repent, then, then I'll reconcile you. No. He went to the pits of hell and got, got us from that state of death, of death, because the Bible says, you know, if you eat of the tree of good and evil, knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. So when Adam ate of that fruit, death was put in our DNA. So the time, from the time you're born, you start dying. Some it takes 80 years to die. Others it takes 120 years to die. Mm-hmm. But from the minute you're born, you start dying. So that seed of death was right from Adam. But Christ says, I am come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Why? Because he took that death upon himself. And he did that by taking our death while we were still sinners, groveling in debt and in death and in sickness. He took that upon himself, fetched us out and led, and, and, and led us to, Jesus, uh, to God his Father our father. So the picture that, you know, vividly comes to mind is thinking about a child. You know, my children, our house is sometimes a construction site. So there's sand, cement, and so one day I come home and I find Zoe inside sand. She's swimming and, you know, so she's, for luck, she's white. Okay? And then when she sees daddy, she's overexcited. Daddy! And comes to hug. So, <laughs> so with all the sand and what, she's hugging. And that's the picture I, 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 I'm reminded of God. We have wallowed in our sin and that, but he's not saying, first clean yourself before you come. No. Actually, he even enters the mud and comes out with you. And says, you are my child. There is nothing... There is no mud. There is no dirt that can separate you from my love. An interesting thought came to me earlier this morning when I was thinking about the someone. It's like, if someone had you pray, would they know that God is a loving father? Hmm? It's becoming real. I said I'll touch some nerves. If someone had you pray, I know it sounds good like a status update, it sounds good when it's on a picture with a famous person, even though he didn't say it, you know. It sounds good. But if I'm, to, if I'm to record you praying, will I conclude that this is actually a person having a conversation with their loving father? <laughs> huh? That's the true test. Friends, that is the true test. Because all the things we can come here and preach our, our voices hoarse, but until it becomes a reality for, 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 for you in your relationship with God, it's just going to be words that you say. I'm, I'm currently listening to a, a series by Andrew Womack, A Better Way to Pray, and it is realigning my prayer life, for lack of a better word. As in, he puts some serious challenges, and even you think of it like, hey, but, but why do I pray like that? Hmm? 
We have a loving father. God demonstrates. God didn't just write a love letter saying, I will say, eh? what is that song by Babyface? Uh, it's a song. I will sail the seven seas for you. Uh, you people, you're, you're saved. Eh? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I saw Maria hiding her face. That means she knows it. <laughs> anyway. God didn't just write these nice things, you know, of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. All things that pertain to life and godliness we have received. He didn't just write these nice things. He demonstrated his love for us. He demonstrated. He just said, no, no, no. You know, I'm not just going to talk about it. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to live like one of them. I'm going to take up all their sin and I'm going to die for them. God demonstrated his love. And so for us, what is our response? Do we understand that this person who did this actually loves us? Because then if he does, then we would treat him differently. You know? <laughs> You'll forgive me if I have too many movie quotes. So there's this guy, <laughs> Steve Harvey, I think he's one of my best stand-up comedians. So he's like, around about the time when he got saved. So he did this stand-up comedy, and he was making fun of how black people pray and how white people pray. <laughs> and so for the first time, he went to a white church, and he was like, these people are praying? And so for them, it's like they're having a conversation with their daddy. Oh, Father God, you know you're so wonderful. And, what? and it's like for him, it is too far, as in, for him, he's used to the black way of praying. Father of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. What? <laughs> Almighty Jesus, we were, you know, it's like you're fighting. But when I was thinking about it, it's like sometimes that's how we pray. I mean, not to take away from God being almighty, and, and, and that's a sermon from, for another time, but his daddy, his Abba. Hmm? And so when you're praying, are you praying as if you, you're speaking to daddy? Or is he creator of heaven and earth? Hmm? Of all the worlds, and of all that is seen and unseen. So Andrew Womack in that series talks about how he's, the, one of the moments he felt blessed as a father. Because we say we bless God. But what does it mean to bless God? And so he, he had this day where he went out with the kids. It was just him and his kids. They went out to the beach they had ice cream. They, were, they did so, much, so many fun things and they came home. So when he was tucking his kids to bed, his son comes and says, Daddy, you're an awesome father. And he says he, it blessed him. Hmm? It blessed him when his son said, Daddy, you're an awesome father. So he felt blessed. He was now thinking, can I do it tomorrow again? So that, you know... <laughs> And for him, that's, at that moment, God told him is that that is my desire. That my people know exactly how much I love them. Because when they do, then they will bless me. It is not just going to be a word that we say because it sounds spiritual. But it's something that we mean. My daughter writes us notes once in a while. And, and, and I think the last one I got was on Father's Day. It says, Daddy, you're the best father. Now that blesses me. 
That is the relationship between a loving God and a thankful church. Amen? So God demonstrates his love. And it's not, and how, you know, we've talked about this. It is, it is not, you know, it's not rare to hear of heroism or someone who sacrifices themselves. I remember the, the, uh, one of the movies during the, the 9-11 uh, terror attack. There was a plane that was supposed to fly into another building. But then these people in this plane stood up to the terrorists. I think it is United 93. And it stood up to the terrorists and they fought and they, and they decided to sacrifice themselves for the better of the people that were going to be, you know, killed when that, where that plane was going. So the plane crashed in the middle of a forest somewhere instead of its intended target because they sacrificed themselves. Now, th those stories are there, okay? The stories, if you look for them on the internet, they are there of people who do heroic deeds of self-sacrifice for people, for innocents. But God demonstrates his love for us that even for the enemy, even for ISIS, hmm? even for Al-Shabaab, hmm? even for Boko Haram, <laughs> even for Kony, God demonstrates his love for them. Because you think he only died for safeties. No, 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 no. God demonstrates his love for enemies and reconciles them back to his their loving father. Amen? John chapter 15 verse 3 says, Greater love has known no one than this, that to lay down one's life for his friend. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Our father's love for us is based on who he is, not what we have done. God is love. That is his nature. You know? He loves you not because you're lovely. He loves you because he is love. Okay? The sun shines. The sun is hot because it is hot. <laughs> That's what it does. The sun is bright because it is bright. Yeah? That it only knows how to be bright and hot. Okay? God only knows how to be love. And so the love, receiving of his love, the first step is to realize that you're not in that equation. He chose you even before you were born. So it's not about a decision you've made or not made. He decided to love you even before you were born. So there is, that's why it's, the Bible says there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And so our desire this morning is for you to receive of that love. For you to understand that it is not what you have done, what you have, you know, you're doing, or what you will do. It's about God who has decided already and 2,000 years ago sacrificed his only begotten son to reconcile you to himself. That is his love. That's our loving father. So let's read this from verse 9 and, uh, to 10. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through, through him. For, for if we went, when we were enemies, he reconciled God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved 
by his life. Okay? Again, if you are enemies and he then brought you into the fold, how much more do you think he's willing to give you of his fullness? Hmm? When you are doing all the, all the wrong things, he said, you know what? Let me bring them home. How much more do you think he's willing to give you of the, of the wealth of heaven, of the wealth and, and wisdom of heaven? So it is by understanding that that we then can receive. Because if he has given freely all these things, what is the disconnect between the way your life is right now and the way God expects it to be? Where is the disconnect? Hmm? So we say we are healed, but you have a flu. Where is the disconnect? The disconnect is that some, we, don't, we have not received of the fullness of his love. We have not, we, or we don't believe that we have received it. So then when these things come, it's like, eh, maybe it is something I did, or maybe it is something I didn't do. No. The reason why the first thing God addresses in his relationship with us is love, and for us to fully understand his love is because it paints that perfect picture of a loving father. Again, the Bible uh, in, uh, talks about you, if you who are wicked do not give your children serpents when they ask for fish, how much more your loving father who is in heaven would give you good things? So if you earthly fathers know how to give your children good gifts, how much more your heavenly father? Okay? So just think about that because we, we understand that as a, at a, as a human level. Why do we expect any less from God? You know, it is sad that some people think that disease is from God or poverty is from God trying to teach us a lesson. When we do that to our children, it's called child abuse. You understand? It's like, oh, you have refused to do homework? Okay. I'm taking you to Luzira. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we think God is doing that to us. We think God is sending us diseases to teach us a lesson. All good gifts come from our Heavenly Father. He only knows how to give us good gifts. And so this morning, if there is anything you leave this place knowing, is you understand that our loving Father has given us all things. The wealth of heaven is for us to simply receive. We just need to believe it. And for us to believe it, we need to have hope. We need to have a definite good expectation of our Heavenly Father. We know that He is going to give us, despite this challenge that I'm going through right now, my Father in Heaven is going to give me good gifts. Despite that bad decision that I made yesterday, my Father is continuously showering His love over me. Because he paid the ultimate price. And so this morning, my reminder to us is, let us receive of that gift. And why we, we, I started off by saying, by talking about the relationship with our physical fathers, because that is what we relate with. But there's good news. God is father to the fatherless. Where our fathers failed us, God is there to show us a better way. Amen? There is an interesting story. A couple of 
months ago. My dad celebrated his 70th birthday, and so we had a small birthday party. And so he, we called in his siblings, my uncles and aunties, and we're just you know, in a room telling stories about how they grew up. My father grew up, my, my grandfather, my father's father, had four wives, okay, and many children. So each of those wives had like 10 kids. So we are many in our family. But that meant that they didn't grow up with their father. They didn't grow up. They didn't know who he was. Or the only part they saw of their, of their father was temper. Mm-hmm. And it was, it is, it, you fend for yourself. So my father and some of his siblings were lucky enough to, f- to find themselves somehow <laughs> in, my, <laughs> in one of my auntie's houses. And, and that's where they grew up from when they were kids. Not my auntie, his auntie, my grandmother. And so, you know, and, this, and, he, and, and, and we discovered new things meanwhile. So he was really the cantankerous one, the wild one. So even when he was there, he tried running away. <laughs> he tried doing all sorts of things. But the grace that he received from my, aunt, from my grandma it was just too much. It was overwhelming. But the, 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 the thing that, that, another story that came up was that he made, it, he made a conscious choice to become a different father than his father was to him. And... I mean, we have had our challenges, but I see the massive difference between his father and him to me. So there's a story of hope. There's a story of hope. There's a story of reconciliation. Okay? He may have had his flaws, but the thing is, he's a better father than his father was to him. And why I bring that important? Because fathers are very important in this society. The reason the black American community is the most imprisoned in the U.S. is because of a lack of fathers. And so we misrepresent our father's love to our children. And so they grow up with this distorted picture of a father's love. If you do wrong, you're beaten. Not that beating is bad, because the Proverbs say, (laughs) should I quote it? Beat that child, they will not die. (laughs) <laughs> that is that's a, that's a story for another day in context so we, the, the ideas some of these ideas we have about God is because that's how we see either consciously or subconsciously how our fathers treat us so it's a continuous challenge but guess what the story changes when you understand that God has loved you from the beginning And that relationship is then healthy fatherhood, healthy parenthood is then transferred to our children. So they grow up in a loving environment because they understand that their loving father will do anything for them. And so friends, as this message comes to a close, I'm going to invite us to think on these things, to chew on these things. Has a relationship with your father hindered you? from receiving of God's fullness? Has a relationship with any authority figure hindered you from receiving of God's fullness? He's here to deal with that today. He's calling us, as I said in Corinthians, he has given us the spirit of reconciliation. Fathers are being reconciled to sons and mothers to daughters. And this morning, you are going to receive of the fullness 
of God's love for you. Nothing is going to stand in that way. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.